Well, if you haven't figured it out, I'm going to talk about money today. Often when pastors talk about money, um, they begin by apologizing. I'm not sure why that is. Um, it seems like to me, we, we don't have a problem talking with financial advisors or other folks about our money. We don't have any problems with talking about how we use money in worldly ways to plan for our retirement or for education or for things like that. Um, and um, inevitably, I will hear um, and have already heard, all the church does is talk about money. Some of you all may have said that to me. Um, I don't think that's true, but I do think it's important that the church uh, talks about money and finances. It is a gift that God has given us, and how we use it in this world is important, isn't it? And so um, we're going to have a conversation about money today. And I thought we would uh, begin by reading from um, Luke chapter 16. And I invite you to hear this passage, uh, this parable that Jesus told um, in the midst of his disciples and the Pharisees. Uh, beginning in Luke chapter 16, verse 1. Um, Jesus said to the disciples, A certain rich man heard that his household manager was wasting his estate. He called the manager in and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give me a report of your administration because you can no longer serve as my manager. The household manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is firing me as his manager? I'm not strong enough to dig and too proud to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I am removed from my management position, people will welcome me into their houses. And so one by one, the manager sent for each person who owed his master money. He said to the first one, how much do you owe my master? And he said, 900 gallons of olive oil. And the manager said to him, take your contract, sit down and quickly write 450 gallons. Then the manager said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, 1,000 bushel of wheat. And he said, take your contract out and write 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted cleverly. People who belong to this world are more clever in dealing with their peers than are people who belong to the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to make friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into the eternal homes. Who is, whoever is faithful with a little is also faithful with much. And the one who is dishonest with a little is also dishonest with much. If you haven't been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you haven't been faithful with someone else's property, who will give you your own? No household servant can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Those with ears to hear, hear the word of God this day and respond. At the end of that passage, Jesus makes the point that we can't serve God and wealth. 
We uh, sometimes in the church, as I said, we uh, talk more about the evils of money and we are quick to condemn people who have money and we talk as if money itself is evil or that we don't want to talk about it. And we fail to talk about the good that money can do and the good that money can be used for. You see, I think this, this parable that Jesus tells, it's a, it's a difficult parable to understand because it seems as if uh, Jesus is highlighting this dishonest manager as somebody that we ought to emulate. But I think in reality, if we listen to the parable, what Jesus is demonstrating is that people in this world, we are so good at handling and using money in a way that the world accepts in using money to uh, buy favors for the future, in using uh, money in ways that benefit us here and now. Uh, but as he says, the children of the light, they aren't so good in understanding how to use money in a way that honors God. We're not necessarily so good in being stewards of our finances in ways that are according to God's kingdom. And so um, I thought today it might be helpful for us to consider um, when Jesus says that we uh, can't worship God and wealth and, and, and suggest by this, this parable that we ought to consider how we use money what are some things we need to know in the church? I can give you, uh, I want to share with you three guidelines that I have learned in my lifetime and guidelines by which um, I do my best to live by. They are not, they are not something I dreamed up, though. Uh, they actually come from this guy um, called John Wesley. Any of you all know who John Wesley is? Uh, the founder of Methodism? They actually come from John Wesley, and they come from the late 1700s. So uh, these principles have been around for a while, and I have found them to be an effective way to think about money. Maybe I, I like it because John Wesley began with, his first guideline was, gain all the money you can. Now, most of you are going like, wait, now, I mean, that's what my financial planner says. Get all the money that you can. The world says get all the money that you can. So, really? The, God's first principle of money is to gain all the money that you can? Of course it is. Money itself is not bad, Right? It's how we use the money. Why would God not want money in the hand of faithful disciples? What, what better place for it to be, yes? Now, there's a caveat, of course. Um, we are to gain all the money we can, but there are boundaries beyond which we won't go, yes? I mean, as followers of Christ... I mean, um, it, we, we aren't called to gain all the money we can at the expense of our family. Right? 
I mean, uh, uh, God would not ordain us to gain all the money we can to destroy our relationship and destroy our relationship with our spouse in the process, right? God doesn't call us to gain all the money we can um, as if we're supposed to set, about, set aside our responsibility to be um, active in the lives of our children. And so while it is okay to gain all that we can, there are some parameters around which we put. Now that may vary from person to person. I could tell you what my perspectives were on that. That wouldn't necessarily be so in your case. When, when um, younger in our marriage, I traveled frequently. Now for some folks, that would not work in their household. Uh, but what we did, because we knew that was a part of the job, it meant that when I was in town, I did everything I could to be at activities for my children. When my wife told me she wanted me home at 6 o'clock, wasn't it? 6 o'clock. See, I even remember today what time I was supposed to be home then. Uh, for dinner, um, if I wasn't going to make 6 o'clock, I let her know why. Um, and that meant I also got to hear the disappointment in her voice if she thought that was a lame excuse for not being home at 6 o'clock. Uh, but, but we're not called to, to gain all that we can at the expense of our relationships with our uh, family. We're also not called to gain all that we can at the expense of our souls. Now, you know, I, for, for different people, that means different things. I worked for a company that made alcohol. For some, you would think that for you, you're like, well, I couldn't do that. Um, but for me, like, I could never work at one of these um, payday loan places uh, that offers loans at an exorbitant price. Some folks find that working at gambling institutions are places that they just couldn't work. And so, as followers of Christ, we have to stay attuned to God and God's guidance. And it means that we won't earn money, irrespective of how we understand Scripture and how we understand God's direction. We also um, won't gain money by... Cheating and lying, hopefully, right? We won't gain all that we can and do harm to our neighbor. In other words, really, if we have a business of our own, our goal should not be to um, destroy our competitors if we're faithful Christians. Now, it's okay to want to be the best at what we do, but it's not okay to have the purpose of solely destroying our competitors for the sake of being able to make more for ourselves. And so, yes, we are to gain all that we can to make the best use of our talents so that we reach our earnings potential as long as we don't harm our family and our neighbor and as long as we don't 
harm our souls. And so the first guideline, I've never met a, a, a group of folks who couldn't embrace this first guideline of gain all you can. I've never heard anybody say, no, I don't think so. But there are parameters around that. The second guideline is to save all that you can. Again, you're going, okay, pastor, what are you, giving financial planner advice today? I mean, I hear that from my financial planner. Indeed, we are called to plan ahead and to save. Now, I know that you've heard that before, but you know, um, if I look at the statistics, it says while many people have heard that, few do that. In fact, in our society, it suggests that most folks, whatever they make, they spend it all. And some not only spend it all, but they pull out their credit cards and they spend more than what they make and they'll pay for it tomorrow. If we are to use our money wisely, we will save all we can. We will plan for the future. It doesn't mean that we're like the uh, rich man in, um, I think it's in Luke, where Jesus tells the parable of the rich man who gathers all his stuff and saves it in silos just uh, in, in case he has a rainy day and he saves way more than he needs for a rainy day. But it does mean that we plan ahead. You see, um, uh, broken down cars, medical expenses, all of those things are not unexpected expenses, correct? We know they're going to happen. We just don't know when they're going to happen. And so it's wise for us to plan ahead, to set money aside for emergencies, to set money aside for education, to set money aside for retirement, and to do so wisely without hoarding what we have. But you know, when John Wesley said to save all that you can, he wasn't just talking about putting money in your bank account. He wasn't just uh, talking about taking the money you have left over and saving it. In fact, if you look at Scripture, I think there's this uh, clear call for us to live simplistically. You see, there's another way to save money, um, and that is to live more simplistic. Number one, to certainly live within our means. We should not be living above our income. But it also means not allowing the income that we have to drive the lifestyle that we live. Do you hear me on that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, have you, have you seen folks who, as their pay increases or as they get a better job, their style of living keeps going up and up and up? I mean, really, who needs three mansions, one in California and one in New York and, well, Missouri. Probably nobody has one in Missouri, right? They may have one in East. I mean, who needs three large houses? But hey, I got the money, let's buy them.
See, we're called to live simplistic lives. In other words, we're called to think about what we truly need to live. We're called to determine the lifestyle that we will live regardless of our income. So as our income goes up, we don't need to spend more to raise our lifestyle. It means we have more funds available. Does that make sense? I mean, in reality, the only way that we could have afforded for me to quit work and to go seminary for four years is because that's the way we chose to live. We didn't spend every dime we had. We didn't uh, use credit cards to buy more than we had. We put money aside. And so when uh, God called and said, you're going to become a pastor and you're going to go to seminary for four years and you're going to take a little bit of a pay decrease. <laughs> we could do that because we had chosen to live a more simplistic lifestyle. So save all we can. It means to plan. It means to put money away for a rainy day. It means to put money away for retirement and for education. It means to do those things. But it also means to live more simply. To really think about what it is that we need in life. And to be content that we don't need to keep raising our lifestyle so that we can keep up with the Joneses. And so it is important. It is important that we uh, gain all that we can and that we save all that we can. But if we stop there, if we stop there, I'm not sure we've not done anything different than a wise uh, financial person who manages money for their earthly good has done. Now, the third principle is to give all you can. In other words, to share generously. In other words, we gain all that we can and we save all that we can, living simplistically and planning, not so that we'll have more for a rainy day, but so that we are able to share what God has blessed us with in the here and the now. Throughout the Gospel of Luke, over and over and over again, God demonstrates to his disciples that one of the things that we are to do with the wealth that we have is that we are to use it to help those who are less fortunate. To help those who are poor, who are outcast, who find themselves downtrodden. I mean, there's no way around it. If we read Scripture with, with open eyes and with honesty, we see that we are called to use some of that which God has blessed us with to help other people. 
We are called to be good stewards with, with, with what God has blessed us with so that we can bless other people. Just as he, when he called Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis, we are called and we are blessed so that we might be a blessing to other people. And when I talk about sharing and giving, I'm not just talking about giving to the church. I've had people come up and say, oh, you just want money for the church. And, and here's what I've told them. And I'll tell you the same thing. If, if you think that's really what this is all about, then don't give to the church. Go and find a charity that does something about poverty and give to it. Now, it's important for the church to have money in order to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But most of the time when I tell people that, they're not interested. They're looking at an excuse to hold on to what they have for themselves, not for other people. We are called to gain all that we can, to save all that we can, so that we can give as much as we can. To help other people. There are wonderful examples of this. You know, the, the founder of Habitat for Humanity um, is a United Methodist. It was a United Methodist person. He's since passed. But he, he saw things in the world. And, and, and this doesn't mean that we just go and unwisely give money to folks. It's important for us to look around and see how we can truly make a difference. And um, um, Fuller was his name. Um, that founded um, Habitat for Humanity. He looked around and he, and he saw things and he wanted to help folks, but he also wanted to help them rise above. And so uh, he put together this program where they started building houses alongside people who needed them. And in the process of doing that, they were also, these folks were also required uh, to take courses on how to manage their money. These are the kinds of things that I think God calls individuals to. I mean, what would happen? What would happen if the Christians in Cameron got together and brought a piece of property and started building Habitat for Humanity homes? What would happen? I don't know. I bet it would transform the community and it would make a difference in the lives of other people. There's probably a hundred other ideas of how we can make a tangible difference in the lives of other people. But we can't do it if we're gaining all that we can so that we can spend all we can on ourselves. We can't do it if we're not gaining all that we can and saving all that we can and living more simplistic lives so that we have more available to truly make a difference in the lives of other people. See, money is not a problem. That $20 bill is not good and it is not bad until it's spent. And that determines whether it's good or bad. Think about it. Gain all you can. Save all you can. Share all you can. What better place 
for wealth to be than in the hands of Christians. Because see, in the hands of Jesus' followers, money is food for the hungry. Money is wells for the people in Africa. Money is clothes for people who are naked. Money is a means to fight against oppression and injustice. Money is a way uh, to overturn the systems of society that keep people in poverty. Money provides health for the sick and cure for diseases. Money makes the spread of the good news of Jesus Christ possible. Not just in our community, but throughout the world. And so it's important that we talk about money in the church. It is important that the people of God gain all that we can and save all that we can so that we can be even more generous to the people in our community and the world. And so this day, I invite you to begin to change your perspective on money. What would it look like? To gain all that you can, to save all that you can by living more simplistic, and to find those places where you're giving can make a true difference in the lives of other people. May it be so. Amen.